Hello, sweetie. This is Aidy, also known as R2D2, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. In fact, I was bribed into leaving this message. I was paid in sex in advance. <laughs> okay, not really. But you can't blame a girl for dreaming, can you? And Dave, I promise I won't mention the World Cup. I am Michael Stackpole, and I never listen to the Order 66 podcast. The BBC would like to announce that the next scene is not considered suitable for family viewing. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Execute Order 66. This episode of the Order 66 podcast brought to you by our newest sponsor, Baby Jaina, who will be born on the air tonight. Yeah. 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 Dave, yeah. I don't know so much about that. <laughs> All right, maybe not. But anyway, you're back, ladies, gentlemen, aliens, other creatures, big and small, short and tall. For the Order 66 podcast, this is June 29th, 2010, and you're back for episode number 109er, to use my aircraft terminology. And, uh, well, we have a good show in store for you tonight. A dark show in store for you tonight. Indeed. And with me, as always, to allow for a more fruitful discussion, uh, we'll start with GM Chris. What is up, Gamer Nation? My discussions never bear fruit, Dave. My discussions cause things to wither on the vine. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I know. And I hope we have the baby on the cast tonight. That would be awesome. That we'd win. A, we'd win a Webby. <laughs> Probably so. I mean, you have managed to both conceive the child and have the child on the air. Oh no! <laughs> Don't think so. I, you know, I think having the baby on air that might be kind of evil, wouldn't you say? A little on the evil side of things for a no. lot of listeners. No, 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 not at all. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate that. Yes, yeah, giving birth very beautiful, very beautiful. Well, for those of you who may be tuning in for the first time, as Dave mentioned, this is the Order 66 podcast and uh, the only podcast on the airwaves currently of Internet Dumb devoted entirely to Star Wars Saga Edition role-playing. Who's dumb? And, uh, what, what, what? Who's dumb? What do you mean, dumb? You said the only podcast that's on the Internet Dumb. <clears throat> yes, the Internet like Dumb, internet, like the internet. kingdom. Like, oh, like, I thought you were saying that... Of, Oh, I thought you were saying that we're Internet Dumb. No, it's the kingdom of Internet. It's the Internet Dumb. Al Gore is the king. Al Gore. You you can't go and make up words. No. Chris, that's... That's hanky, dude. That's totally hanky. That's a metaphor. And, of course, the dulcet tones you hear is that of Twi'lek goodness. Always dulcet and always good. Always good, right? Mm. (laughs) Mmm. Mmm, good. Real good. A good for me. 
Oh, we're going down dark territory here. Oh, good for you. All right. Dark thoughts aren't bad. Accessing. Ah, good. New acquisition. No, they're not. Greetings, neighbor nation. My designation is KCK Sim, and this is your Hollow News Net update. Today in internet news for Star Wars Saga Edition, nothing actually happened. Thank you very much. But we have other announcements. Sure. Origins is over. Go to Gen Con. You have a month. Yeah. Month is good. I believe we also have a feature podcast of the week, yes? Do we? Yes. Why? Oh, yes, we do. Why it's the podcast that helped us begin the D20 Radio Network. That would be Radio Free Hamlet. Woohoo! Yes. The 51st. 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 It's kind of like the 501st without the zero. It kind of is. Thank you for that clarification. I appreciate it. 51st Adventure Push and Pull. So, <laughs> tune in. Timbo, Jackson, David, Kate. Talk the talk and walk the walk. 4th edition D&D. And they're discussing the Scion class in detail. As, uh, as well as, I believe they uh, share a ReaperCon interview with someone who's never played 4E before. And <clears throat> it's a woman. <gasps> dun, dun, dun! Wow, wow that's, that's amazing. Yes. So, well played, RFH. Well done. Well done. It's a very fun, informative episode, a lot of great discussion, so if you're a 4E fan or just, you know, want a deeper glimpse into the system, give it a listen, and you will find Radio Free Hamlet and all the rest of the podcasts at uh, www.d20radio.com. How about that? .com, .com. And as Dave said, Gen Con 2010, go, August 5th through the 8th. Don't miss it. Do not miss it. So... All right, with our weird schedule, uh, Luke Lowbrow is uh, not going to be with us uh, today. So, so uh, we'll just, um, you know, what we could do is uh, we could uh, just uh, pretty much go right into this. Barbecue. It's wise never at his post. It's time for tailgating with TK421. Well, hey, Hosers, this here is TK421. I'll tell you what, it's been a slow couple weeks for good sports and a busy couple of weeks for an Imperial soldier. <laughs> tell you what, I ain't had no downtime at all. Only this past week I had the chance to sit down and relax. I was enjoying downtime in an Imperial space dock. Had my grill set up, my cooler out, and some of the other boys was playing Elixian handball. When I spot this sexy, fine female, man, whoa! She don't be an Imperial, too. Man, that gray uniform looked mighty good on her. All the boys in dark, they started catcalling and whistling when she walked on by. And then she goes and gets all angry. Starts walking towards them. They smiles when all frowns when she got close, too, boy. 
before it started shaking. And then I saw it. She was an admiral! Hoo-hoo-hoo, <laughs> boy! She yelled at him for a bit, and they done run off. I never heard no lady admiral, but man, they sure in for it. After they done run off, it, it's just me and her in the dock. I swallowed hard, and I stood at attention, even though my meat was burning. She sighed all big, and then told me to be at ease and flip my burgers. And then she sat down, blasted and asked why I did not whistle at her. Truth be told, old TK had a beer in his mouth at the time, but, but I, I says, Ma'am, that would be improper. She smiles and asks if I wanted to play some Dijaric. What am I gonna say, no? So yeah, I says, yes, Admiral, and offered her up some food and drink, dragged over the hollow chest board. Now, I ain't the smartest feller, I knows that. But I was smart enough to know not to show up no damn admiral. Women folk or no. Found out her name was Admiral Natasi Dela. Seems like she knows old Grand Moff Tarkin pretty well, too. Seemed like she needed to talk to somebody, cause she kept talking. All about how hard it is being a female officer. I, I can't relate to that too much, but I, I guess I understand it. Said she had to fight tooth and nail every day. And boy, that's something I do respect. Wouldn't you know she whipped my ass at the Jarek, son? Three times! Ain't lying. And I wouldn't hold him back, neither. Then she had to go. I was sorry to see her go, but uh, <laughs> I did enjoy watching her leave. Said she was shipping out to some top-secret Imperial facility. Ain't that something? Well, here's raising a cold one for you, Admiral Dollar. Hope you don't get cut off from the galaxy for lots of years or nothing. Miss out on everything changing on you. And you can meet Admiral Natasha Dollar too. Right now at the D20 Radio Forums. This here is TK421 reminding you hosers to stay at your post. Keep the charcoal hot and remember, you never know who you're gonna meet at a good down-home tailgate. Why, thank you, TK421. We appreciate it, man. Uh I'm always impressed by his dialogues. Whatever. I've never really liked him, and this is one more reason. He's he's such a chauvinist. <sighs> Being women folk and all. Women folk. Whatever. Yeah. Some of... people just have prejudices. We have to learn to, you know, help them see beyond that, maybe, eventually. Mm-hmm. But after all, he is right. It is women folk. That's right. Dude. Can't live We've got him. a much bigger house now. <laughs> There's a much bigger couch you can sleep on. Further away from me than normal. Women Just saying. Can't live with them. Can't kill them. Duly noted. D20 docking bay, hosers. When it don't be making sense, we be making sense of it. Hello and welcome to the D20 Docking Bay, where we answer your questions posed by email, voicemail, and text message. Thank you. You sound like Super Nanny. I have no idea who I sound like, and I don't care! Because we're here to answer questions that you guys send in. Forum posts, questions, email, phone, you know, whatever. Send them in. We'll get them to you. 
So, our first question today is a shipbuilding question that came from Travis. Uh, this actually came in a couple of weeks ago via email, and uh, he writes this. There has been some confusion over creating ships from scratch and modifying existing ships. My group got a hold of a stock YT-1300. According to the rules, it has 10 unused emplacement points. They have big plans for the ship and are trying to gain additional emplacement points, and they understand how to lose cargo space to do that. The part that we're getting stuck at is uninstalling systems to gain additional emplacement points. For example, the stat block shows that the YT-1300 can fly 12 squares, which is two squares starship scale. Am I to assume that the ship has a sublight drive of two squares, which they will get three points back for uninstalling? Add one more point, and they can get a three-square sublight drive. Uh-huh. Also, the listed YT-1300 comes with a medium laser cannons. Does the same scenario apply? Scuttle the laser cannons, get one point back, and purchase and install something in its stead. Instead? Wow. Verbose. That is the second time I've heard that word in a matter of weeks. I guess the real question is this. The book doesn't state what systems come stock on a YT-1300. So, what comes stock on the YT-1300? <laughs> Thanks for all you guys do to keep up the good work. Travis. Thank you, Travis. Well, first of all, um, FYI, man, if you are the GM here, you need to keep a tight rein on this. Okay. Back in Jedi Counseling 115, uh, Gary Sarley went pretty in-depth talking about ship modification. I'd like to start by re-examining a very simple rule that many players gloss over. Starships of the Galaxy, page 39, under non-standard modifications. I quote, The GM is the final arbiter of what systems are sufficiently dissimilar as to qualify as non-standard. And particularly unusual combinations may be forbidden altogether. In other words, no modification is legal unless you specifically say it is. But are they doing non-standard modifications? It didn't sound like it sounded like they were just trying to up their their engines and up their uh, firepower. That doesn't seem too non-standard to me. That's a good question. And in terms of his base question, we are going to come to that. But I want to mention this off the bat because you need to keep an eye trap on what they're updating it to. I find that players that are scrambling to try and gain emplacement points, I mean, gee, 10 emplacement points, that's a lot. If they're scrambling to try and gain emplacement points, they're probably going to get it in their heads to try and create a pocket battleship, throwing capital-sized weapons on the darn thing, which you can do if you scrub enough cargo space. You can do it. But then again, you can't, and that's kind of the point of this. Just a little warning to start this off with to keep your head in the right place about it. All right? That's kind of where I'm going. Um, the point is, as they're doing these modifications, just keep an eye on it. Remember, nothing is legal unless you say it is. So there we go. It's a negative Ghost Rider. Now, um, having said that, in response to your question, yes. Pattern is gold. R- ripping out it. a stock system yeah. does return its emplacement points to the unused emplacement pool for that ship. Emplacement point pool for that ship. Just be sure they're also selling these items properly, too, because they do get cash as well. When they're selling a stock item, you only get one quarter of the value of any system you remove from a starship, even a stock ship. Okay? Um, stock starships usually get their starting systems at a substantial discount because they're so well integrated into the baseline design. Removing them requires a lot of inefficient workarounds, resulting in a very low price compared to selling a, a used starship component. Now, as to your last question, what is a stock part for a YT-1300? Simply Anything that's in the stat block description from the book. For any ship, if it's in the stat block description, that is a stock part. 
So there you go. There you are. All right. <clears throat> oh, wait. Did you have something? No, I was just saying okay. Okay, cool. I agree. I give you permission to move on to the next question. Dave. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. How gracious she is. Of course. Okay, so we get an email from Delric. Delric the Great. I actually kind of... Oh, never mind. Okay, I digress. All right, so he says, When a Jedi scout with deflect and evasion is hit by an auto-fire area attack, what happens? <clears throat> he gets hit by an auto-fire attack. I'm just saying. Okay, and I assume per raw that with that evasion does not apply, so how does deflect work in this case? And what happens if the auto-fire attack misses a Jedi with only the deflect talent? Thanks so much again for your answers. Hmm. So the question is, do they stack? Right? That's half the question. Okay. Yeah, kind of, yeah. Um, and, and the question is, they, they do. I mean, per raw, actually, uh, evasion does apply. And this is actually a very early question for the system for those multi-class Jedi scouts. Yeah. Um, and it, it's one the devs tackled pretty early, and the answer is very kiss. Keep it simple, well, yeah. stupid. Well, you take half, you do half damage if it hits you if you have evasion, right? Hmm. That's correct. And half then, damage so, with deflect. Correct. So if, if an auto-fire attack hits you full-on and you deflect, you take half damage. If an auto-fire attack hits you full-on and you have evasion, you take half damage. Some people think that, oh, what, so I only take a quarter now? Like half of half? No, it's just very simple. You just take no damage. Yeah, there you go. So uh, th- that, that, that's pretty much it. Um, the devs deemed anything else too clunky, and I happen to agree. So, yeah, if you have evasion and you deflect, no damage. They stack, period. Cool. Um, now, what if they miss, right? Well, if, if they miss, you don't need to worry. Um, now, if, if they miss, you're not going to take any damage anyway because you have evasion. But in this other question, what if you don't have evasion, you just have deflect, and they right. miss with the area attack? Right. Um, That's what I was going for. Okay. If, if they miss uh, and they don't, if they miss and they still hit a ten, they're going to hit you for half damage. If you deflect, you take none. That's yeah. been clarified. Beautiful. And if the auto fire attack misses entirely and doesn't even hit a ten, it doesn't matter. It deals no damage at all. You don't need to worry about deflecting or, or using evasion or anything. So there you go. Beautiful. That, that very kiss. Very. very. Kiss. Uh, okay. <clears throat> now the next. A lot kiss. Okay. Call me Doctor Love. Doctor Love. Oh my word. Okay, so we uh, have a question from Andrew Jackson. Dude, isn't he dead? Well, you know, he's communing with Gary Gygax to send in this question. So he emailed us uh, an old question that we really need to revisit because it continues to cause confusion for new players. So he writes, I'd love to get your thoughts on this question that came up on Dawn of Defiance last night. We're getting badly beaten, so we looked at fighting defensively, and a couple of questions came up. It states that fighting defensively is a standard action, but the rest of the text makes it clear that you can still attack unless you choose not to and get a better reflex bonus. So how does this work? Is it a standard action to turn it on, and then are you fighting defensively in subsequent rounds? Is this a misprint and requires a swift to activate? <laughs> okay. Well, the second question is, uh, it's pretty. Uh, this is pretty Munchkin-ism, but we all ag- agree it's probably broken. But as a Jedi, would it be possible for my character to fight defensively, choose not to attack, gain the plus 10 to reflex, 
since I'm trained in acrobatics, and still use force power since they're skill checks, not attacks. <laughs> okay. Andy, Andrew, um, President Jackson. Uh, <laughs> this question has caused so much rumble in the jungle, uh, probably the most hotly debated ruling for this system early on, and the number one thing people house rule to this day, very differently. The wording can be confusing, but Rodney Thompson himself clarified on episode 12 of this very humble podcast That's right. how it is supposed to work. Yeah. You do spend a standard action to fight defensively, which in my opinion, it's a bit of a misnomer. Um, and that only lasts for one round. You have to spend a standard action each round you wish to fight defensively and gain those defensive benefits. Wait, wait, wait. What Are if you he, fighting? So what if he'd have named it defensive stance? Wouldn't that have been a whole lot better? I believe so. So, so you're not actually fighting. You're just you're taking just... a defensive stance. You're okay. getting ready. Well, that's really where the confusion comes in, TG, and, and kind of where we come now. See, the thing, the thing is this. You have to spend a standard action each round if you want to do this. So how can you make any attacks at all if you're spending your standard action to do this? Because you have fighting defensively and then total defense, which says you can't make any attacks. But how can I make attacks if I'm not – if I already spent my standard action? Yeah, brain pain. Okay. The answer, Andrew, attacks of opportunity. Attacks that don't occur on your turn, for yeah. one. In addition, nobles and other certain prestige classes have talents that have the ability to grant you attacks when it's not your turn. But if you use the defensive fighting option, you can't generally attack on your turn. You've already spent your standard action. Um, you know, but you can still gain these reactive attacks. If you choose the total defense option, you can't even take reactive attacks. No attacks of opportunities, no granted attacks, nothing. Um, by the same vein, you also really can't cast force powers in terms of your Munchkin question because any real offensive force powers require a standard action and you've already spent your standard action. So, Right. Because making a skill check is a standard action in most cases unless you've got a special talent or feat for it, right? Yeah. Usually, yeah, yeah. but force powers as well. I mean, each one take, can take a swift up to a standard, but anything that can really hurt somebody offensively is at least a standard. So there. Okay. So there. I mean, yeah, that's the official ruling. Yep, yep. Um, a lot of people house rule this, uh, treat it similar to defensive fighting in 3-5 D&D. Um, other people do what you suggested, use a standard action to turn it on and then maintain it as a swift action on subsequent rounds. Uh, but if you're going to go for the rules as written, the raw, um, it, it works how we describe it. So there we go. Yeah. Makes sense to me. All right, and our final question for the evening. There's a question from Pata what? I'm Ron Burgundy. Great name. Yep. As an optional rule from the Jedi Academy training manual, Jadam, he writes, Greetings! Hello. Hey. I'm about to start a new campaign this weekend. Oh, he even wrote in verse. I asked my players whether or not they wanted to use the optional daily force points rule from Jedi Academy Trading Manual, or go with the standard force point rules. A small issue came up in regards to the force boon feat. If we went the daily force point rule, I was actually a tad stumped on how to rule this feat. For the record, my players are starting ninth level. We all agreed that three extra force points per day was overpowered, so we tossed that idea out. One of the things we came up with was having an extra force point per day. The other was to let it stand raw and have it simply be an additional three force points that they could call upon any time that level. 
I'm more inclined to let Force Boon be played rules as written. written. But I was curious what the community's thoughts were on this. Huh. That gave me tired head. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the Daily Force Points rule, it's a pretty fun one. And it's pretty commonly played. It's found on the sidebar on page 16 of Jedi Academy Training Manual. And in a nutshell, instead of gaining Force Points each level like you normally would, you gain only a handful of Force Points that replenish every single day. Um... And I, I do mean a handful. Like, 1st to 5th level, you have 1. 6th to 10th, you have 2. 11 to 15th, 3. And 16th and higher, you have 4 force points a day. That's it. Um, I don't think that's broken. It, no, I, I, think, I think it's a, a fun rule, actually. Uh, you know, but it depends on how your group plays. If you find yourself going through multiple encounters in a day, it's not quite worth it. No. No, it doesn't sound fun. And sometimes a single encounter, you use more than just one or two force points. And then you can go, your character can go weeks and weeks and weeks without using any. Eh. I guess it depends on how you play. Sounds like a meh. Meh. Well, eh. it's... Aside, that's aside from the point. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's just, it's just an optional rule. So right. if you're going to use the optional rule, uh, you know... How how do you use Force Boon with it? Well, the devs themselves recommend your idea of Force Boon providing one Force Point per day. Uh, that's actually the very last sentence of the sidebar itself. So that's how they think it should work. I don't think your, you know, have it stand is written with three Force Points you can call upon any time during a level. I don't think that's broken either. Um, you know, so, you know, if you don't like the, the dev recommendation, I don't see any problem doing it the other way. Yeah, me either. So, I have a question for TG. Okay, Dave. I ha- I'll have an answer for you. Hopefully, it's a good answer. If you were to take the microphone and hold it near your baby bump, can we hear the heartbeat? <laughs> Probably not. Oh, okay. I don't think so. I don't think it's loud enough yet. All right. I just wanted when to... she's born, I'll hold the microphone next to her when she starts crying or fussing. No, I don't know about that. I don't know about that either. <laughs> All right. And then in like three, you know, two years from now, I'll hold the microphone up to her as she tries to stumble through never listening to the Order 66 podcast because <laughs> her be dad's cool. on it. I never did. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be so cool. Just imagine that. Too. All right. Imagine. As usual, so, thank you very much for uh, listeners yeah. to uh, – putting in your questions, um, especially to the uh, venerable Andrew Jackson. Thank you very much. Okay. That's thank you, thank you. And if you guys would like to send us questions, you can, of course, email us, GM Chris and GM Dave, tweet that goodness, all at d20radio.com. Head to the forums, d20radio.com slash forum, or give us a ring-a-ding on the Lusa line. Ring-a-ding-a-ding-dong. bum bum Two zero six six hundred five eight seven two LUSA. 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 Dude, did you did you um did you get out to Tatooine this week? I did not. Oh. I was supposed to, but I sent my wife instead. Hey, welcome to Wattles. This is Watto for Watto's bargain basement, and I want you to come on down to Tatooine this week for our big special sale. Tell them Java sent you, and you get a free chance cube. Uh, 
We got the deals for you. Come on down to Watto's Bargain Basement. Uh, what do you know? Uh... Huh. <laughs> you sent your wife. You trusted Wata. Ooh. Yeah, man, that's that's a bit much for me. It's all right. Okay. He's under so orders. what did she find out? He's under orders. She came back with an item because she knows how big we are into I'm Batman. Our continual quest to become Batmen and women. Indeed. So she found a piece of accoutrement that blows the utility belt out of the water. It's called the ship suit. A multi- That's a dangerous name. I'm just. It is. Saying. I know. I know. It's close. It's it's awful close to yeah. a slip of the tongue there. Yeah. It's a multi-pocketed coverall made of tough synthetic fiber fabric. Very tough. Known to last through years of rough use. It's fitted. Can be used as an environmental suit in an emergency. Simply by attaching a breath mask. It's covered in pouches, so it can hold 24 items of small or smaller size, weighing no more than one kilo apiece. So, any item carried in the suit has its weight cut in half for the purpose of encumbrance. That's cool. Yes, and what's even cooler, anybody wearing this gets a one plus one equipment bonus to their fortitude defense for purposes of resisting extreme temperature. 200 measly credits, one kilo, dude, it's a bargain. No joke. That's pretty awesome. I want one that I can go to work with Sanford and study in the junkyard. <laughs> yep. Beautiful. Fantastic. So thank you, wife, for going to Tatooine. We appreciate it. Oh. And now for our time of our show, where we turn it over now to Admiral Phil for Fragments from the Rim. This is going to take a little bit of time to get used to that. Alex and Trevor show. I like yeah, the Alex I, and Trevor I show. I mean, it was fun to say the Alex and Trevor show. It is. And Phil's doing great. We might have to come up with some kind of, you know, interesting segue for Phil. Right. To, so it'll, yeah. it'll take some time. It'll, you know, it'll, it'll, take, it'll take some time to... How about, how about let's listen to Phil's deal? <laughs> hey, Phil! Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. All right. Very good. My lords, welcome to Fragments from the Rim. What is thy bidding, my masters? I'm Darth GM, and this is episode 54 of Fragments from the Rim. Saga players have been given a wide variety of force powers over the past few years. Some force powers are less effective than others by themselves, but with the right build, those same powers can shine, or at least make your character's opponents sit up and take notice. One such power appears on page 86 of the Force Unleashed campaign guide and is a signature ability of the character Starkiller in the Force Unleashed video games. And that power is Force Blast. Force Blast affects one target within 12 squares. You make a Use the Force check and compare it to the reflex defense of the target. If you exceed the target's reflex defense, you deal damage to the target. The result of the Use the Force check determines the damage, from 2d6 at dc15 up to 5d6 at dc30. You can spend a force point to add one half your character level as a damage bonus, just as you would with a normal weapon. By itself, Force Blast is rather subpar to other damaging powers, like Move Object. Move Object on comparable die rolls deals more damage, and if you use one opponent as the object in question, 
you can deal significant damage to two opponents by knocking them together. One advantage Force Blast has is that it's not listed as a telekinetic power, which means cover will not protect your target as long as you have line of sight and are within range. But by itself, that's not enough to beat out the utility of move object. So how can Force Blast shine? There is a talent in the Felucian Shaman talent tree that can really give this power some serious punch. The detonate talent allows you to spend a force point to basically turn your force blast into a two-square splash attack. When you do, you compare the result of the use the force check to all characters, creatures, or droids within two squares of the original target. Interestingly enough, this is not considered an area attack against the primary target, but is against the secondary ones. If you fail to beat the secondary target's reflex defense, you still deal half damage to them. You have to be a Felucian Force user to get access to this talent at low levels, but any Jedi Master, Sith Lord, or Force Disciple can pick this up as one of their prestige class talents. For a 13th level Force user, rolling a 25 to 30 with a Use the Force check is simple, allowing your Jedi Master, or your GM Sith Lord, to drop some rather considerable area damage to the battlefield. 5d6 damage to a 2 square splash area isn't a takedown, but it is something that most opponents won't ignore. It's a combo to think about if you're playing a high-level campaign or a one-shot, or if you're planning on sending some Volution shamans up against your PC party. That's it for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to d20darth at gmail.com. Until next time, Gamer Nation, 20 side up, 1 side down. You have been listening to Fragments from the Rim. End transmission. Yeah. Yeah. Nicely done. Yes. Nicely done. I agree. I concur. Uh-huh. So it's time for this. Ah, the meat. So, I know it's trite, but should we tentatively call this segment... Uh... What? Something, something dark side. Something, something, something dark Something, side. something complete. complete. Oh, so tonight's topic of discussion, Gabernation, is one we've mentioned before. Uh, one we've danced around before. One we've touched on briefly in other shows and other discussions. But lately, there has been a lot of new gamers to the system posting up on our forums with lots of questions about dark side points. DSP? Should I give a dark side point for this? Should I give a dark side point for that? Was this DSP worthy? Um, all of this, coupled with the, a formal show request from several of you who ganged up on the forums to present your support for a show topic about this, has led us to our discussion tonight. Isn't isn't that kind of evil to gang up and hijack the show? I mean, oh, huh. yes. just saying. Might be. You never know. It's fitting, it's I suppose. Fitting. Well, we can discuss if that is DSP worthy then, shan't we? Because... Shan't we? Dark side points is what we're talking about tonight. When to give them, when not to give them, just who decides what constitutes a dark side act anyway, and just why they're so damned important. Um, a very long time ago, episode 36, we talked about running a dark side character and a dark side game using the dark side in your game, but tonight we're going to revisit that discussion with a focus on when DSPs should be doled out. So grab your core rulebooks, Gamer Nation, take a deep breath, ignore the Emperor's insane cackling, and steal yourself for some dark side points. 
Being being dark and having dark thoughts is a good thing, you know. Really, <laughs> dark. It is dark thoughts not yeah. acted on equals zero dark side points. So you know, oh. it's not like you're Catholic and have to go to confession when you have a bad thought about your neighbor who looks really good and uh, never mind. Thankfully, we're <laughs> all not Catholic. Yeah. yeah. But they're, they're still good. They're still good. Well, right? Okay. Sure. Well, let's let's talk about that. Because I think it's important to intro this discussion with reasons why we should be using dark side points. Why dark side points are actually a good thing. They are a good At thing. Least, you know? Why? Well, it's a mechanical balance is what it is. Dude. Ex- explain. Okay. So, if you don't have any DSPs, all right? So the force users, in my opinion, become broken. I I would agree. You know, I mean, you're using all these dark side powers, which, you know, force lightning. Let's take force lightning, for example. What's going to stop me from stocking up on force lightning to where I can use that thing six times an encounter? Yeah. 8d6. 8d6. Yeah. You just, you can't. You can't. Not to mention, even mundane force powers, when used egregiously, can break a game. Well, sure. And, you know, so, yeah, it's it's there. Um, I don't know. And this brings up a lot of things. One of the things we talked about, I know, guys, in the past was, is, okay, so the the Saga Core Rulebook recommends that if a player turns dark, when their dark side points equal their wisdom and they fall, that at that point they're no longer a PC. They become a GM character. Um, they become an NPC. Uh, and that's kind of the effective character death. But a lot of players don't do that, and they continue to play... Do you think it's in that in light of that it's important if you're racking up dark side points to have some other kind of mechanical balance aside from character death? You know, I mean, physical disability, something to that effect. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's all good. That's all well and good too. Okay, uh, I know we talked about that a fair bit in episode uh, thirty-six, but mm-hmm. something yeah. to consider. Yeah. Well, you know, and if you don't do DSPs, then it's just not Star Wars. I mean, right? See, there the you movie's go. about dark and light. The dark side and the the light side side, and the battle between the two. And you've got to make sure that's in the game. And this is one of the easiest ways to make sure that that's in the game. I I like the fact that I think they can actually be used. An excellent point, TG. I think they can enhance the role-playing experience a great deal. That's what Old School was just saying in the chat. Well, there you go. Props to Will. Okay, well, Dave, I'm interested to get your thoughts on this because you are playing a character right now who has really flirted with the darkness. Oh, I used it, dude. I used that. I absolutely used that as a part of my character. And, I mean, there was a point where we had a session where you, I mean, if we didn't have a character with a redemption destiny and you didn't get choose to redeem, I mean, you had lost control of your character for a round. You became a GMPC. You went dark. I was for a round. (laughs) <laughs> for a round um, and then he was able to fulfill his destiny but do, I mean do you guys think having that tangible record of the dark side points can add to the role playing experience to remind the player where they've been what they've done uh, short answer yes I've seen I've seen Dave use it to enhance how he plays his character and it also puts his character in positions to where he has to make decisions. His character has to make decisions based off of, should I do this? Because I've already done it a couple of times. I've got the dark side points to show for it. Or 
do I know, you know, do I do better? It, it, it makes him challenge how he plays his character. So, yeah, it definitely does enhance the role-playing experience. At least I've seen it do that with somebody who's a, a really good player. Okay, well, something that's not in the show notes, but I think we should, since we're discussions heading this way, I think we should talk about it anyway, guys. Talk to me about atonement, because this is the other flip side of the coin. Now, atonement is on page 94 of the core rulebook, and they talks about the ways to remove your dark side score. And, uh, you know, they're, they talk about the fact that, you know, it should take a period of meditative reflection. Um, but I know some GMs who let their players, you know, oh, yeah, you racked up six dark side points this session. Okay, well, I've got four force points left, and I'm, I'm going to level soon. I'm just going to spend four force points to remove four dark side points, and that's it. Don't like it. Uh, yeah. I mean, how, how do you guys feel about atonement? I mean, I know there's some optional rules out there that some GMs like myself basically say, no, you can only atone one dark side point in between sessions. And if you do it game time, like if you want to do it during the session, you need to be a freaking saint until your atonement is over. And sometimes it can take a lot of time. I mean, yeah. what do you guys recommend? How do you think atonement should work? Either role play with your character, do it between... I don't even like between sessions. I like one point per level. But, you know, that may be a little extreme. Well, no, I agree. Why not both? Uh, yeah, maybe. I, I, but I, I think that you have to role play, not necessarily role play it out, but, you know, have some kind of thing in the story where, you know, my uh, my Wookiee goes to Kashyyyk and communes in the lower, you know, the lower, uh, I forget what they call it, Kashyyyk, like the lower levels, you know, where nobody inhabits and, you know, mm-hmm. with all the, the, and he goes there basically to commune with nature and all that and, and get back to his roots and, and visit his mentor or his master and, and, and all that. And it takes time to get one dark side point off. Maybe two, depending on how long it goes. Maybe. Now, what about what about the opposite end of the spectrum? Because one of the things that they're mentioning in the chat right now is, and one of the things they also talk about in the book, is that you can atone almost all of your dark side points with one single heroic action. I mean, something that's so magnitude that you're willing to sacrifice your own life and everything yeah. to atone for your entire past. I think I would It should agree. also be something, I would say, if it, if you meet your destiny by doing it, that you also, I know one of the destinies is atonement, but yeah, I, that kind of act would need to be in a single act that also meets a destiny, because meeting a destiny is a big F deal. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, to put it this way, Dave, when your character had gone dark and you were about to kill a PC and you'd become a GM character, um, you know, we had a character that was able to activate his redemption destiny and save you. If you had instead made the decision that before you'd done so to you, – you, you almost did to, – to give your own life to save your friends – that would have been a redeeming act for me as a GM. If you had survived, you would have had all your dark side points removed but one, and it would have cost you all your force points because that's kind of how it works. Um, why, why but one? That's the rules. They actually talk about it. Yeah. Because you can, you can never totally re- – I mean, just one act is not going to remove all your taint, but it will get you on the path to recovery. At no. the very least, it will get you back to just being tainted again. You still have one dark side point, and then you're going to have to deal with that. And when you level again, you can gain some more force points, maybe spend one of them to atone and become a yeah. full light side character again. And you never truly want to remove your taint. That would hurt. <laughs> all righty. I wouldn't know, but um... – <laughs> 
Something that I saw somebody in the chat mention was that never always making them keep at least one dark side point. Yeah. That they can't they can't get rid of that one last dark side point. Even if okay, so they've they're down to just one and it's the end of the session and the GM says, Okay, yeah, between sessions you can remove one dark side point. Well, they've only got one. So they remove it. Eh, maybe just not allowing them to because once you've gone dark it's always gonna be with you. That's what Yoda said. Once you start down the path forever, will it dominate your destiny? I agree with this a lot. It's not something that's in the core rules, but I think this is an excellent, excellent suggestion. Because in this game, there are some real drawbacks to even having a single dark side point. There are certain force powers that you you know, have a hard time with, certain talents that you can't use. Um, they're, they're there. So, yeah, it, yeah it, it's, it's interesting. Certain you know, things like Sever Force can be used on you. Um, you know, yeah, what, it's like you say, man. As the green man says, once you start down the dark path, I think it's an excellent idea. Yes, indeed. So, so okay then, guys, talk to me about, about the meat of this then. Since we talked about why DSPs are important, that you need to have them in your game, okay, and how to deal with removing them, because that's another serious consideration where people can munchkinize it to death. Let's talk about how you actually earn dark side points when a GM is going to award them to you. Let's talk about dark side transgressions. And Dave, I know you and I were cracking up because we were talking about show notes and coming up with the idea for this. We had this idea for... Uh, um, if you pull out a lightsaber and strike down a youngling, you might get a dark side point. Yes. <laughs> That's funny. If you <laughs> use force slam to push someone off a cliff when they're defenseless, you might get a dark side point. If you cut off a Twi'leks head tail and stick it up his nose, <laughs> you might get a dark side point. <laughs> Probably. Uh, Probably. Yes. So, all right. So, what do you get? What do you get? Dark side points for? Well, okay. Well, let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the transgressions. Now, the book has some guidelines. Pages ninety three to ninety four of the core rule book. It's kind of our basic codex on this. Um, but even the rules explain the GM is the ultimate arbiter here. There's no hard and fast guidelines. Arbiter. So, how does the GM determine it? Arbiter. Ah, uh, the arbiter. The heretic. <laughs> <laughs> So let's talk about the three types of transgressions that are out there. Um, the first type, they classify as a major transgression, stuff that's flat-out evil. If you do this, you will get a DSP. There's no ifs, yeah. ands, or buts about it. What are, what are we talking about here? What's, what's a major transgression? If you kill an innocent person for no good reason. That's blatant. Yeah. Um... Killing somebody who's bad, even though they're bad, but they're asking for mercy or seeking redemption, you still kill them? Yeah, so you've got them on their knees, they've thrown away their weapon, they're asking, please forgive me, and you slice their head off. Yeah. Um. So, wait, wait, wait. If Mace Windu had actually chopped down Palpatine, even though Palpatine, didn't he say, please, please? I believe that would have been dark side point worthy. I'm, he would have gotten a DSP, even though you know that Palpatine was actually lying. That's well, true, but that, it's that, against the code. That, that That is the issue, and that could be considered a moderate transgression, TG, but we're, we're going to come to that because there are some extraneous factors. That's an excellent example, though. That's an excellent example. And I think 
part of the conflict in that where Anakin was really feeling it was aside from the fact that obviously he didn't want Palps to die because he believed that he, he was the only one who could save his wife um, was the, the fact that, you know, he, he told, you know, no, you, you can't kill him. You know, I need him alive, but also you can't kill him. This is wrong. You can't do this. And, you know, it, that goes to show you that even Jedi masters are not immune to making these choices. Right. So, okay. So aside from blatantly evil things like that, are there any, is there anything else that can, uh, that's force related, specifically related to the force that can instantly garner you a dark side point? Dark rage. Uh, using a dark side descriptor force power. Bingo. Force lightning. Dark rage. Bingo. Um, Sith. Overhaul. Bingo. No, no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, there's a lame talent, uh, one, of, one of the strange force talents out there from one of the weird traditions that allows you to like pick a dark side power and not gain a DSP when you cast it. Um, but that is certainly a rarity. Um, I know I will never allow that in my game uh, <laughs> just because of the balance issues inherent. Um, what about... Okay, earlier we talked about not just using necessarily a dark side power, but just using a force power that's not dark side, but using it in anger. Um, I, I really want to talk about this because the book calls it out, and I think this can be really, really hard to adjudicate. Uh, the, the book recommends, and I really want to get you guys' opinions on this, the book recommends that if a, if a player says his character is feeling angry or, or jealous as he uses the power, that that's a good barometer of whether you know, you're using the force in anger. I don't think that's enough. Yeah, because... If you've got a munchkin player, you know, in in a very heavy role-playing game and group, yeah, you can use that as your barometer. But that can't be it. Because if you've got a heavy munchkinizing group, they're going to know how to easily describe their feelings in order to get out of taking a DSP for that situation. There's got to be something else. I don't know what it is, though, but there's got to be something else. I I like the idea of relying on my players' emotions. Dave, you've played with... Ga- okay, do you remember one of the first Star Wars games? This was back in RCR days. We played with your old roommate. What was his name, Jeff? Yeah. Okay, and he, he played for the first time, and he played a Jedi. Yeah. And there was, there was a time where I hit him for like 30 points of damage. He was a low-level character. It almost killed him. And he, not his character, but Jeff, actually got very angry. And he's like, I'm cutting that dude's head off. Yep. And I was like, okay. You know, he's, he's unconscious. Yeah, I'm, I'm jamming my lightsaber through his neck. At that point, Jeff's character, you know, at that point, Jeff was angry. I gave him a dark side point for that. Because yeah. I'm like, you're using the force in anger. Um, yeah. Do you think it's, it's reasonable to try and judge your player's emotions that way? Sort of. Y- yeah, I think you could probably I- do that. I think you can, that, you can see if it's if it's invading their character's actions. Yeah. It seems like that could be a good way to to manage players. I mean, at that point you're 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 punishing the player and not the character. But if he's acting out of character, then I think it's appropriate. Yeah. Me too. Okay, so those are those are major transgressions. Before we move on to moderate, let, let's 
let's go around and each one of us can we give an in-game example of when a, a, a massive moderate transaction would occur uh, using using a real common scenario. And I'm not talking something a real evil guy would do, something a player character would do or that you've seen a player character do. Um, buy, um, buy a weapon from an arms dealer. Really? Yeah, well, yeah, you said, a, a, you said a major transaction. Oh. Oh. <laughs> 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 oh, oh, oh. I I'm awarding you a dark side point for that. Uh, <laughs> major transgression. I can tell you a major transgression that my own character did. He was pissed off. He had a pretty hard fight, and coup de grad the dude in the gladiatorial arena because he was being a gladiator, and he and his emotions got the best of him, and he coup de grad the guy. Do you yes. remember? I remember wholeheartedly. Um, it just just because he was angry. It was right. pretty basic. Um, my story is my character from Cat's campaign is actually a droid of all things, and um, a little psychotic and bent for revenge on the Empire. Got his first level an independent droid. Got his his uh, behavioral inhibitors wiped as a result. And he had taken down a stormtrooper, and his party, TG, you were in this game, his party was fighting off a dark Jedi, and the droid, who's a wonderful support character and really could have helped them by aiding, stopped in the middle of what he was doing, again, to coup de gras this guy, just for no reason whatsoever. Just to curb stomp him because he was angry, because he wanted to watch him die. Curb stomp the guy. Seems like both of these examples are coup de gras, and the only one that I could think of was, um, I don't remember the exact situation. Maybe you can help me out with this. I think it was our last session, and there was a leader of a group of the bad guys, and we caught him, and we tied him up to a pole outside. And the Jedis in our group wanted to just leave him there, tied up. And I don't know if it was me or somebody else, but we were adamantly against it because we thought that he would be able to either get untied or be able to somehow still communicate with more of his team members that we hadn't seen yet. And we just went ahead knowing he was tied up and we but didn't coup de grace him basically. Yeah. It was one of those where I thought wasn't, wasn't it like, you know, we, we started walking and Nate and then like Jake said, I I'm turning around and I kill him. Yeah. Yeah. Now, and I think he got he got a DSP for that. He did. Um, I don't know if I did. I don't think I did. I don't think I've ever gotten one. But I fully supported him in that decision. Because, <laughs> yeah, tactically, the guy needed to be coup de grace. We didn't want a snitch on us. So, I don't know. I don't know if... if me, if my character specifically would have deserved a DSP for supporting his decision to actually do it. I don't know. What do y'all think? No, I think the act itself. No, it's it's the act. I, I, I would totally agree with that. And I think, TG, that's an excellent distinction to make for the GMs. It, in most cases, it's the act that does it. We all have dark thoughts. It's the will to act on them. Dark I mean, every, even the most virtuous of Jedi has to resist temptation. But the mirror, no one's immune to the temptation. Right. 
Very good. Okay. So that being said, for major transgressions, moderate or is basically the same thing, but thirty percent less filling and. <laughs> well, you know, tastes great, less filling, you know. Well, uh, so basically, major transgressions would be things that, yeah, you're going to award you a DSP for. No ifs, ands, or buts. Moderates are things you're probably going to award a DSP for, but not necessarily. Um, uh, and they're very similar to the major transgressions, uh, but just kind of, yeah, like you say, a little less filling. Like, not necessarily using the force in anger or to kill someone in anger, but using the force to cause undue harm. <clears throat> yeah. So, I mean, just on living beings. My favorite example, um, one of the early games I played in the system was with uh, uh, a module uh, that I found online. And the Jedi in the group was fighting a bunch of stormtroopers in a, in a cantina. He came in and force slammed them, taking no heed and not, you know, he was angry and wanted to do it to them. But he actually caught two civilians in his force blast, in his, in his force slam. You know, using move object to rip uh, a piece of a building down on top of a bad guy and not paying any heed and accidentally damaging three or four people that are standing around and have no part in it. Okay, I got you. Yeah. All right. Okay, so what if, you know, you're on a planet and you need to create a distraction? So um, you're on a planet that's got a lot of forest or grass or whatever, and you set you set it on fire. In order to you tactically give your group an advantage, would you award the person who set the fire a DSP or the group agreeing to do it, the whole entire group a DSP? Would you even award one for that? That's a little shaky, but what I'm talking about is using the force to cause undue harm. Now, if they used combustion oh, yeah. to do it, sure. Um, if they just sat down and lit a fire with uh, with something with their toolkit... Uh, maybe, maybe not. That might go into minor or moderate. I don't think they intended to hurt anyone. But it's one of those things. You'll find a lot of this stuff relates back to the Force because, again, that major game balance constraint comes in. Well, somebody can use the Force and not intend to hurt somebody, and it happens. Just like somebody can use a flint and steel to set a fire not intending to hurt somebody, and it happens. But just because of the material they used will get them a DSP or not? Yes. That doesn't make sense. Just because I use the force to start a fire that gets out of hand and winds up killing a whole bunch of innocent creatures that live in this forest, it, it where it came from, I don't, I don't understand why somebody using a flint and steel wouldn't get the same punishment, essentially, as someone with the force. Well, they, they may very well, but it's one of those things where... I am I'm in agreement with the rules. You have to be a harsher judge of the force because if you're not, you run the risk of it being a balance. I understand where you're coming from from a role-playing perspective and talking about it logically, but from a mechanical perspective, I think you have to be a little harder on the force user. But, okay, I, I would like to expand on this. Dave, TG, based on something you guys talked about earlier, one of the th things they talk about for major transgressions is performing a questionably evil act, and they're really vague about it. But this comes around to what you're just talking about for a, a moderate transgressions. It's all about the intent. Um, if, I, if I set a forest fire with flint and steel, TG, and I knew that it might very well decimate a village nearby, but I didn't care because I needed to do it to get us out of there okay, 
I might very well award a DSP for that, especially if the GM points out the fact that, hey, you know, there's a village about 100 yards away made of reed huts. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, let me throw this one at you guys, and I really want to get your opinions on this. What if <laughs> the questionably evil act, Dave, back to your earlier thing about what Mace Windu did to Palpatine. Palpatine was begging for mercy, yes, but was he sincere? Was he genuine about it? No. One of the things they, t- they talk about. So a questionably evil act, if I've got a serial killer on his knees and, you know, and I kill him even though he's defenseless, has no way to meaningfully defend against me, but I know if I let him live, he's going to kill again. He's going to hurt again. Um, if I've got an imperial commander on the bridge of a ship that he's defenseless, but if I don't kill him right now, he is going to hit his comm link and call down an aerial strike on my forces of innocence or on a planet. Is that dark side point worthy? I say no. Second I one, wouldn't. Second one, no. And the first one, no. I mean, a Jedi should be able to search their feelings and they should be able to discern if he's lying or not. Right? He should be able to tell. And then if he can see that he's not lying, then it shouldn't be a dark side point. At the same time, the GM knows whether or not that NPC knows if Palpatine's lying or not. And should take that in consideration as to whether or not it was an evil act. I mean, I get, okay, you got to consider what the intent was. But at the same time, I think you also should consider the the outcome of it. If he wound up killing somebody that, yeah, would have gone about killing more people despite what he was saying in that exact moment, then he actually did a good act for the universe, for the force, and helped bring balance and good and, and got rid of some of evil, no matter what the guy was saying at that moment. So you're saying the ends justify the means then? You're saying if, uh, if I've got a four-year-old in front of me who a vision of the Force has told me they're going to grow up to become a Sith Lord and kill millions of people, but right now they're just a four-year-old playing with their dog, I should go ahead and slice their head off, and that's a good thing because it's for the will of the Force and it's going to ultimately help save millions of lives? But you're talking about years and years and years ahead of time. Always What's the time limit here? What are yeah. we talking about? Ten minutes, an hour, a day, a week, a year, 70? Always in motion is the future. Within the moment. Within the moment. I mean, if they're lying within the moment, that four-year-old doesn't know that they're going to grow up and kill millions of people. He, that four-year-old isn't planning on doing that. Maybe it is. And if, it, if that four-year-old is planning on doing that, then, yeah, you probably do need to do something about it. Okay, so I've got a serial killer on his knees in front of me. Uh, he's going to kill more people. I can cut his head off or I can knock him out, tie him up, and turn him into the local authorities where he'll spend the rest of his life locked in jail. Is killing him worth the dark side point? If it's an option to turn him into jail, if you've got that opportunity, then you should. If, if, if you kill him when you've got the opportunity to turn him in, then, yeah, it's a dark side point. But if there's not that opportunity to do that, based off whatever the circumstances are, if you are the law and if you are the decision maker, if you've been given the authority to decide what to do in the situation, then no, you shouldn't be given a dark side point for that, I think. Dave, I'm interested to hear your thoughts on this. What, because, you know, I know you've had, you and I have had discussions about this in the past. What, 
I mean, is, is it is it reasonable for the party to knock the guy out, binder cuff him, and throw him in the brig, or is it more reasonable to you know for a non dark side point to to kill him? I, what do you think? Uh, I go back to the Jedi code, if you will. I kind of measure dark side points against that. So if you have the opportunity where two Jedi have an old man cornered, whether or not he's a Sith Lord or whatever, with their lightsabers drawn, and you go ahead and kill him anyway, that's, that's, I know the chat room is vilifying me, but that's still a DSP. Uh, I, I don't really think there's any two ways about it. It's, you know, you have the opportunity to bind him, you don't. I see black and white with this. Mm. So in in this in this thing, I, if we're going to go back and finish up our moderates by talking about, you know, examples from the saga where we see moderate actions being used, my example again would be coming back to, uh, you know, again I think Mace Windu with Palpatine. I, I would have actually given that more of a moderate than a major. I think it's one of those things. The guy's a Sith Lord. You know, he's lying. He's going to kill you. He's killed hundreds of your people. He's evil. Uh, you know, Mace still could have possibly gotten a DSP the same way you could possibly probably get a DSP with a moderate, but I'd classify it more as a moderate. Yeah, I probably would too, but I'd still give him a DSP. Yeah. What other examples can you guys think of from games or players, situations that might occur, or things from the movies that might have been those, those questionables, those moderate transgressions? Uh, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head. There's a couple of things where I could tell from the, it seemed like the facial expression on Obi-Wan's face that it looked like he was angry. But, you know, uh, there's no way to know for sure. Um, Do you remember the scene in episode two where Anakin found his mother and she had just died in his arms and he goes out and oh, slaughters? Un- that, is un- that is not even a moderate. Don't know. That's not even that's a matter. That's, that's why I'm asking. That's I mean, a major. Those, those sand people are going to continue to kill. They're going to continue to no, raid major. and pillage. Major. But, major. But then again, he broke beyond it. He killed the children. He killed the women. Yeah. He killed everybody. Yeah. Well, the the difference is that he killed innocent people. Those children and those women were not responsible for his mother's death. They were just part of a species that was responsible. If he were to find the people who did kill his mother, the specific people who were responsible for kidnapping her and killing her, that might have made, depending on how he went about doing it, well, if he just did it in the manner that he did it, it would be a moderate, I would say. I, I don't think it would be a major, but the fact that he killed innocent people makes it a major, and maybe even one that would earn, probably earn several DSPs, not just one for the entire thing. I mean, that's really getting out of control when you can do something that evil. Now, do you guys think it's kosher then to award multiple DSPs? I do. And I mean, rules rules is written. If you're if you're transgressing, but it, you're also using a dark side power, you can earn two off the bat. But do you guys think you should award multiples for the same action if it's really, quote unquote, really bad? You didn't let us answer. <laughs> you asked us and then said, I do. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Sorry. I'm sorry. But, uh, tell, tell me what you think. I think I just did. I told you that yeah. Anakin should have, would have probably earned Gotten multiple, multiple DSPs. Yeah. 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 
So, so do you think there's an action that can garner you more than two or three? What's the max you should go? Well, no, 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 no. There's no single action that's going to get you two, in my opinion, except using, maybe using Force Lightning uh, might get you two. I don't think there's a single action you can do that will ever get you more than two. Unless, I take it back, I'm lying. I'm lying. Don't Blowing up game. Alderaan will get you more than two. I'm not sure why. And I'm pretty sure I lost my peoples. So, until they return, if they ever return, then we will go on and say, yes, okay, so moderate transgression is all about the intent. It is vague. We know that it is intentionally vague that way. So, you know, go with it. If it's moderate, it's moderate. And if it's major, it's major. So be it. I've just gotten a text to tell me that there's a big storm in Plano where they're at. And their power is out. So, we have a backup plan. And we're going to do this like on the air, guys. It's unbelievable. It's actually unbelievable right here. We're making history with the Order 66 podcast right now. As we dial up one GM Chris via the miracle of the dual line Comrex. And we'll see if, if he might answer the phone. And if he does... Your call has been forwarded. Oh, to man. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. He didn't even answer his phone. That just sucks. <sighs> Worst show ever. Worst show ever. By far. He needs to quit. He needs to quit calling me. Your call has been forwarded See? to an automatic voice. See? That's what I'm talking about. So, anyway. All right, so let's talk about minor transgressions, all right? So minor transgressions are little itty-bitty things that can happen and probably not DSP-worthy and um, unless they stack up. Um, and, you know, unless they're, you know, or they're, they're like, exceptional, I guess you could say. So what, what else are you going to do, right? I mean... You perform a dubious act. Oh, unbelievable. This guy's just not answering his phone. Anyway. All right. I guess we're going to have to pause the show. All right. So the miracle of technology actually works this time. And uh, we have a phone picker upage. So uh, while you guys were gone, while you guys were gone uh, with your storm and all that stuff, I talked about the minor transgressions and, you know, the little things that can add up to a DSP but aren't necessarily... You're not going to award a DSP for just one thing, you know? Yeah. So, you know, you, uh, you know, I, I don't know. You know, so anyway, those are those are little minor transgressions. We talked about multiple DSPs, you know, can you do m more than one DSP? And I think, I think you can. I agree. Definitely. So, yeah, there you go. Well, okay, then well, we've, we've given some examples. We talked about what the book has to say. 
I think it's important to talk about the decision point because we're dealing with a lot of vagues here. We're practically getting into a philosophy discussion for Pete's sake. And I think there needs to be a decision point. Um, now, everything in the rules and, I mean, says what? The, the GMs are the final and complete arbiters of whether a DSP is awarded or not, right? Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's up to you, but this is not always an easy, easy decision. So how, how do we make it easier? Um, do you guys, I'm interested to know, one of the things I, I recommend is, is setting expectations. Do, do you guys find it helpful for this kind of thing when your GM at the start of the game says, okay, here's how I'm going to run it in terms of DSP awarding? Mm. I don't know. I've never had a GM actually do that. Yeah, I don't know that I've ever had that happen either, but I, I don't know that I'd expect that out of a GM. Oh, okay. It is certainly unusual. Um, I think it's so unusual that I think if you do it, it's going to get your players' attention. Yeah. Get getting. I buy-in. think it's appropriate if you expect to have an issue with somebody. You know, mm-hmm. if you've played with them before and you know it's going to be someone who's going to argue with you about why did they get that? This, you know, someone who's going to put up a fight about it. Set expectations beforehand. If you're playing with a group of people who know you and as GM, you know that they trust you as the GM and the decisions you make, then it's probably not something you necessarily want to do because then it might set them on edge from the get-go and make them constantly worry. Oh, God, is this falling within his guidelines that he set out at the beginning? What did he say? I don't remember. I didn't write it down. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's probably so, why you've never seen me do it with you guys, because I right. trust you all as players not well, to abuse it. And you typically, you typically don't even adjudicate that in-game. You wait until after the session's over. Yeah, I usually do. And, you know, and that way, you know, if you do it in-game, chances are you're going to get an argument. No, man, that wasn't a DSP. Yeah, it was. No, it wasn't. Yeah, it was. You know, and so it's one of those deals where, as a GM, I would say, you know, if you're going to argue with me, you state your case, you got one chance, and I'll say no, that's it, it's over. So that brings up the next point. In game, I mean, if you set expectations, it, whether you have or not, in terms of judging on the fly, if you decide to award a DSP either during the game or after the session, as I like to do, do is it is it should a GM allow a player to state their case? Yeah, I I, get, I, I would allow personally. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to jump right in there, but I would allow them to no. just one thing, just tell me one thing, and that's if I'll, I'll consider it and probably not change my mind. And if I don't, that's it. There's no more argument. Yeah. TJ? Yeah, I think you allow them to state their case. And and just telling them, okay, I'm going to allow you to state your case, and um, we'll see. It may, might not be the best way to approach it from, from a player's standpoint where I would feel more validated that maybe my GM is actually listening to me to say, okay, you seem like you were upset with this decision I made. Do you have a point as to why this decision should not have been made? And then as a GM, asking them to, to give that information to you and be proactive about that, if you notice there might be some agitation about it, let them say it. And then if you disagree, the best, I think the best way to deal with it is to say, well, I understand your point, and I think those are valid, but... From my standpoint, I saw this, this, and this, and this is what led me to make this decision, and I still think it's the right decision. So you can 
you're still going to have to take the DSP. But hey, it's one DSP, so yeah. or two DSPs, or whatever it happens to be. Yeah, I think I like that. And plus, your your player doesn't feel like they're being railroaded, so to speak. Yeah, you know, yeah, because you that's, you've opened up to a that's dialogue. what you want to avoid. And, and in those situations, players can really get emotional about it. You know, right. what? Right. I made this decision, and I think it's a smart decision, and you're going to tell me that it's a bad decision, you know, and they can get right. emotional about it. So. so, And so, you know, Gary Sarley gave us a really good weapon in the GM's disposal, or the the, the GM's arsenal, to come back with a, against a player, and basically he's got that checklist of five things that you can, all right, did you do this, did you do this, did you do this, and the answer is yes, well, it's a DSP. You can't well, really argue right, then, with that. Then, this, this is a really good, this is a good thing to point out. Um, now, this is from Jedi Counseling. Dave, hit us up with Gary Sarley's five checklist questions. All right. The, 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 idea, the idea being that if, you, if you're questioning whether or not that this is a, a dark side act, put it against these questions. What, right. what are they? So you've got five questions you need to ask yourself or ask the player or whoever when you're determining how you're going to adjudicate it. All right. Did it harm a living, sentient creature, uh, character? Not a droid. So did it harm a living, sentient character? Did it harm a character at your mercy, meaning helpless, unable to defend themselves? Third, did it cause serious harm to a character, physically, mentally, or emotionally? Was it unnecessary, was the action unnecessary to protect yourself or another character from immediate and obvious threat? And finally, was it deliberate and the result was intended? Those are the five things. Those are those are hard and fast questions, and yeah. I recommend the GM keep that list, you know, written down in your GM notebook for those really tough calls, especially if you need to justify it to your player. So, what do you do when you get yeses to very, very many of those questions? So, what what if you look at the act, Dave, and all five of those questions are yes? That's blatant. That is DSP, hundred percent. That's just an evil, evil act. Yeah. If the answer to exactly no more, exactly one of those five questions is a no. It's probably questionably evil. Okay, moderate transaction, transgression. <laughs> so basically, you know, like what? Killing Palpatine. Killing Palpatine, killing someone at your mercy, uh, but in defense of others. Yeah. If exactly two of those questions are a no, it's probably a dubiously evil act. Okay, it's not a minor transgression. Putting in self-defense, recklessly but accidentally hurting other people. Um, I, I think Anakin would have, would have racked up quite a bit of those. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. Characters often do that. I think the Hov would have when he like burned a village down with his bard. <laughs> there you go. And lastly, so, so those are questions. If three or more of them, so if over half are a no, this is probably not a trend. I don't know about that. I mean, if you've got somebody at your mercy um, and you kill someone who's at your mercy and, oh, there was, what was, like, the fourth or fifth one? It was deliberate. Uh, You you deliberately killed someone at your mercy. Okay. And then the fourth one? That would automatically, though, that would automatically, if you killed someone at your mercy, that would automatically make one and three yes. That's correct. So if you if you kill someone at your mercy, you automatically have three of many yes. Okay. So then, <laughs> so 
So it's only if the last two are just yes and the top three are no that it wouldn't be. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Okay, so well, you can you can you can make it. You can have one and three be yes. You can have an action that harms uh, serious harm to a a living or, or sentient character. Um, now, I find this interesting because number number one and number three are very similar, but they are different. Number one says a living sentient character. Number three says a character. And the reason being, droids have a have a tough rap. <laughs> it's just a droid. I, I like this checklist because, again, that's one of the things about playing a droid. You are a piece of property. And I know one of the struggles in Star Wars especially is the morality of droid slavery, in essence. Are they living entities? Are they sentient? Um, and I, I think this plays towards that. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Well, okay, TG, mm-hmm. what is harm? If we're talking about harming somebody... What is harm? I think you have to know the answer to that question. I think it's extremely important. What, what do you guys true. think is, is, is harm? Well, I don't think it's just physical. I think no. um, it's, it's not just doing physical damage to them, but you could do mental damage to them. That gets into some really shady areas, though, you know, because then it's like, well, I'm I'm interviewing this person because they're a bad guy and they've got some information that I need. So I'm going to play mental games with them to get the information I need. So does that garner me a DSP because I'm supposedly harming them mentally? I don't know. It could be, I guess, in in the way that you go about doing it. Maybe if you tell them lies about, you know, he was a, he, he didn't know it, but he was adopted as a kid and his mom doesn't love him and, all these horrible lies that he comes to believe, maybe. We've, I don't know. We've, but, killed your, we've killed your wife. I want you to know that. Oh. We've yeah. killed your wife. She screamed when she died. Um, oh, the gladiator thing. Meaning? The gladiator thing. He's father to a murdered son, yeah. husband to a murdered yeah. wife, and I will have my vengeance. <laughs> in this well, life. Okay, let me throw this one at you, too. Dave. Yes, dark about, side point. What about what about theft? Is stealing from someone harming them? I think that's a relative term. I agree. But where 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 is the line drawn? Uh I don't know that I could tell you that. Intent? But you may yeah, maybe intent, maybe, you know, I mean if you steal let's say you steal three droids. Okay, you steal three droids from a guy who has a hundred droids. Who cares? You steal three <laughs> droids that are the only droids for this poor moisture farmer, and you've yeah. killed the guy. Well, not even killed the guy, but well, yeah, you, yeah you've, you, you've you, decimated right. you have, him. Yeah. yeah, you've decimated yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, so even something as simple as that. Yeah, if I'm stealing uh, a thousand credits from Senator Organa. Um, that might be dubiously evil. I'm not exactly harming him. He's not going to give a flying flip. If I steal a thousand credits, which is the entire life savings of a, a small moisture farm on Tatooine, or you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a shelter in the undercity of uh, Coruscant, yeah, that's that's harming them. But yep. but what if you're a Jedi? I mean, okay, for a non-Jedi, sure, sure. 
sure, that's not, it's not evil. But I would think that a Jedi holds to a higher moral standard uh-huh. than that, and that stealing is stealing no matter who the person it is. So there you go. So that's your... Don't you think? So does that play into the gut instinct of, you know, that's, that's why the GM is the ultimate adjudicator? Exactly. And, you know, you, the GM knows whether that character is supposed to be held to a higher standard. That's why I do think it's important, especially with a new group, to level set, especially if you're dealing with a Jedi, to say, look, I expect your character to adhere to the Jedi code. That's, that's kind of the point. But, dude, you, go with your gut. You're right, Dave. We all know what is evil. Um, and as a rule of thumb, I find that the more that I have to try and parse it out and explain to myself why it's a transgression, the less likely it is to actually be one. Just like the more you argue why it's not, the more chance that it is. It is, correctly. Uh, Correct. the, paradox, the paradox of DSPs. <laughs> but th- that's it in a nutshell, Gamer Nation. Um, I know we, we've given you a lot of examples and a lot to think about, but there's some great tools here. The five questions, the five-question checklist for dark side point adjudication is a marvelous tool. Um, even if you want to change those questions up slightly, if you have a code for yourself that you could just a checklist you can run actions by, especially if your players question them, it can be a very, very useful tool to really help you out. But ultimately, go with your gut. And if you don't find anything to be a dark side transaction at all in your games, I think you may need to seek psychiatric help. You might have some sociopathic <laughs> issues. You might. You might. Yeah, you might. I think it's really appropriate here that on our dark side show that your lights went out. We, and we are literally sitting in the dark on our cell phones. My, my, my laptop is running at about 20% of battery right now. And uh, <laughs> I know. The yeah. marvels of technology. Well, Gamer Nation, I'm glad we were able to finish the show out for you. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, for this crazy, crazy show. And thank you for suggestions. We've gotten quite a few, so keep them coming. We're going to do shows on what you want to do them on. Yep. Thank so, you for listening. Tune in, what, Dave, what, Monday? Uh, I'm not sure. Um, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah. Monday. Oh, yeah. Monday. Monday. Is our, what? Monday is our next session of Alternate Universe. All you. And we will be, if the... Uh, as long as the force cooperates, we will be broadcasting live from La Casa de GM Chris with our next play session. Yep. It's going to be epic. Yep. So, Either uh, that or, or broadcasting the birth of Jane. Yeah, we could do that too with a webcam. So, yeah. I, you know what? Uh, Hobbs, I think, nailed it immediately. Um, episode 109... Calls from the dark side. <laughs> love it. Yep. Absolutely love it. Very good. Well, Gamer Nation? Huh? I said very good. Very good. Gamer Nation, thank you for listening. We wish you peace, love, and good gaming. And keep them dice rolling. May they be full of the force. Hey, this is the Hoff of D20 Radio's own City of Doors. I'm resting comfortably. All hopped up on pain pills. And I'm glad my surgeon never listens to the Order 66 podcast. Ta. 